Hello, this is Kareem Cronfley, and welcome to the Audio Drama Hub podcast. This episode is part one of a discussion about directing, with Faith McQuinn from Boom and Margaritas and Donuts, and James Oliva from What's the Frequency, Greater Boston, and many others. Take it away, Faith and James. Okay, hi, I'm Faith McQuinn. I am the writer, director, creator of Boom and Margaritas and Donuts. Hi, uh, I'm James Oliva. I'm the writer, creator, and director of What's the Frequency? And uh, I do uh, a lot of voice acting on a bunch of different other shows like Greater Boston and uh, Tides. Cool. We're going to talk about, you know, one of my favorite things to do. I guess my second favorite because I prefer writing, but directing is fun. <laughs> yeah, actually, directing is fun um, mainly because, uh, and, and it's probably your favorite thing to do too, because you're just telling people what to do, and that's fun. Yes. Even if I'm not exactly sure what I want them to do, I can still tell them what to do. Just power through it. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Uh, I have some of the questions in front of me here. So one of the first ones is, uh, you know, what's the qualities or training should directors have? And where would you recommend anyone wanting to uh, wanting to direct get their start? It's a good starter question, I think. I think it's a it's definitely a kind of get your feet wet sort of thing. Yeah, I guess I can. The qualities or training, I think training is a bad word yeah. to use here because I think, I think so. it's just about qualities. Mm-hmm. Of, and, you know, I mean, we were joking about telling people what to do, but you do have to yeah. be comfortable telling people what you want because it is essentially your vision, your story that you're trying to tell and you're using these people to tell the story. So you have to be able to communicate with them and tell them exactly what kind of feeling you want, what you want from the character, what you want from the scene, you have to be able to do that. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, one of the most important qualities actually is having a distinct vision and the fortitude to communicate that. So, you know, one of the things that I feel like we tend to see or that I've experienced maybe at times on my end are, are you know, people that could make fine directors or great directors, but are not necessarily uh, comfortable in that role and therefore are not communicating as much as maybe could be done. And so I think communication is probably one of the biggest qualities and, and also the the distinct vision of, of what you want. It's probably two of the more important aspects. And then training from there is, like you said, I mean, it's not very, you know, training's nice. And I think that's a nice way to sort of hone the skills you already have and, and or the qualities you already have. But I don't think it necessarily equates, training does not necessarily equate to the ability to do the job. I taught filmmaking, so I have to come at this from a filmmaking side, but uh, we ha- I mm-hmm. did an acting and directing class, and it was a whole lot of reminding students that just telling an actor that you want more is probably the worst direction. <laughs> like, you have to say, more what? Like, more sadness, more happiness, more more something. It can't just be like, give me more. That's not enough. Like, you really do. Like you said, you have to be able to communicate the feeling you want from the scene from the character yeah actually you know what i, I was looking at this uh, last part here of like you know where somebody should start and i think you brought up a piece of that right now is that i think one of the best places to start for a director that, or somebody who's looking to get into it and looking for a way to understand and communicate with their actors is to take acting classes to to experience what it's like to try to act and therefore better be able to communicate what it is that you want via your own experiences you know what i mean exactly yeah 
Yeah, I, th- I think that's a, a good way to identify and, and begin to understand the actors that, that I feel like uh, sometimes as directors, we get we get a little scared of like, I don't it, whether it be certain actors or just actors in general sometimes like I can I can see some some directors that have just sort of not wanted to be like oh this is this is your acting territory I'm not going to I'm not going to encroach on that and it's like yeah please actually you're I want you to encroach right. because that's part of what <laughs> what we're here to do but you know sometimes you get that feeling of like you know that's your area so if I feel like if directors maybe got more involved on the acting end for themselves they would they would come at it with this sort of better understanding yeah, you have to understand that it's collaboration. It's not mm-hmm. just you and your directing corner and them and their acting corner. You're working together to make the best product you can. So you do have yeah. to encroach on their acting <laughs> because yeah. you have to get the right story. Exactly. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Otherwise, you just have chaos. And sometimes that, that could be good. But sometimes you need to craft your chaos. Uh, or say more often than not, you got to craft your chaos. Yeah. But there are there is definitely room to let an actor play. And sometimes I do that if I feel like they're not getting what I want from it. I'm just like, take it wherever you need to take it and then give them room to play with it and do what they want. And then we can reel it in or expand upon it. And it makes them a little more comfortable. Usually I'm like, okay, we're not getting this. Let's just do what you want. And then we'll work from there. So, yeah, I think between those aspects, those are good starting points for anybody who is kind of looking inward and, and trying to figure out what it is, you know, where the role should be or, or where they want to be within the whole process. You know, if you are thinking about creating your own show, um, if we're talking specifically about audio drama and, or audio fiction, um, I would say, you know, search that out. And if you if you feel like you're not the most equipped, maybe finding someone else to to do that, to be the director, which is something that we, we've been talking about, I think, as a community recently, is the person who's actually really only there to direct. And because we have so many writer-directors that are functioning right now um, within audio drama. And that I think it's, it is an interesting concept and certainly novel within our own area is that having somebody who's, whose only job is to direct the actors. And that, that is a good thing, I think. Yeah. I think that's, this is where um, independent audio drama and independent film meet. Because it is a lot of filmmakers are doing all of the big jobs themselves. I'm, you know, you produce it, you write it, you direct it. You yeah. might also be editing it. And you see that a lot in independent audio fiction. The same thing. It's like you are the one person production <laughs> trying to yeah. make everything come together. And it's not always necessary. You, If you're not comfortable in all of those roles, you should try to put a team together and find someone who can work with you and you know, make everything stronger. Yeah. I think, you know, one of those things that's interesting is that I've asked myself this question a lot is um, where is it okay to, to let go of certain things? Cause this past year I decided to uh, help myself out by taking on a couple of different additional production team members. So I picked up a producer, but a producer that's meant to sort of keep us organized and um, handle a lot of the communications and stuff like that. So that I could take that hat off and not feel so overwhelmed, as well as an extra writer, which that was the bigger one for me to to think about. And I know that doesn't necessarily, it's not fully within the realm of directing, but what I'm trying to illustrate is that having to let go of a certain amount of control and knowing where to let go and, and what parts to let go of are an important part of the process of also assessing where to start and all this. So if you have a story and if you have something that, that you're working on that you cannot imagine giving over that control to, 
then you might want to, you know, think about directing this thing and, and really kind of getting yourself prepared in that way if you can, and you want to have someone else direct your work because you don't feel like you have the, that skill set. And honestly, you know, it would be cool to see what someone else does or collaborate with somebody else, then yeah, then hand it over. Um, and that might be the best option for you. Yeah. I think it would be <clears throat> one of the questions here is um, directing your own writing, but I think something to approach is directing someone else's writing. Yeah. Because I mean, I know that I'm directing my own writing and you're probably directing a good bit of your own writing. Uh, yeah. The first season uh, uh, is all 100% me. It's an interesting process, like taking your own work, especially this was the first time I was really taking my own work and, and directing it and seeing it realized uh, from hundred percent on my end. So, and I'm sure I think you've already had a, had a bunch of experience with that because of the film aspects and stuff like that. Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. In fact, I have only recently have I experienced directing someone else's writing. I did it a little bit in college because it was required, but I tend to direct my own things, but I actually asked someone else to write uh, some of our bonus material. So it was me, you know, directing something that I didn't, you know, realize in my head first and put on paper so it was very interesting to approach it that way even though it was characters i'd already lived with right it was like a different take on a scene in a different feel and trying to get into the head of a writer when it's not your head is definitely a different approach to directing and honestly what most major productions do like it's not usually the same writer and director if we're talking like big budget studio productions in film and in audio drama like because you listen to the credits of something like marvel's wolverine it is mm -hmm. it is not just one person doing everything oh no yeah <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> i thought that was like a i thought that was like a 100 percent indie sort of yeah, james totally. mangold sort of yeah. uh joint no <laughs> that, would, that would be a hell of a thing to take on all your own wouldn't it that'd be amazing I have a take on directing your own writing, but I want to hear, I'm curious about like, what were some of the things that you learned or, and or did from directing someone else's words? Well, it's interesting because I know I'm the characters when I'm writing. So I'm mm -hmm. saying those words, I'm saying them out loud. I'm hearing them exactly how I want to hear them when I, and when we get into the studio and I'm there with my actors, I have this very certain way I want to hear it but then you know I listen to the actors and maybe we change it a little bit but it was weird to not have that step that mm -hmm. I'm just reading those words and I didn't hear them in my head first and I didn't even do that like I was just reading the words and going okay this is how I think this scene should go this is how we're going to work with the scene and then having a discussion with the writer about how he saw the scene going and the kind of emotional beats he wanted was not something I usually have to do. So it was interesting right. to sit down with someone else that is not an actor and discuss the emotional beats of a scene and then go, oh, okay, I didn't quite see it that way. This is cool. It was just like another head in the game to right. strengthen my creativity. So I kind of want right. to do it more, even though I am, I am totally just a creative hog and want to <laughs> write my own things all the time. And that is a terrible thing for me to tell people. <laughs> No, I think it's terrible at all because I experienced the same thing. Like I, I just, I, I mean, t the person I took on for my writer, for my secondary writer of my show is uh, Richard Penner. And Richard Penner is like one of the most amazing writers you could ever like, like really ask to collaborate with. I mean, he is a perfect pairing for my show. But then there's that small little seed inside of me that's just like, 
yeah, but like the show isn't going to be all yours, buddy. You know, and it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, uh, ooh. So there's like this moment of just like, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I got to get cool. I got to cool with this because, A, this is going to help me. It's going to help me hit all the points that I want to hit with, with with my season two. I have a lot of ideas and, and a lot of a lot of ground to cover, and I don't have enough time in my life to really <laughs> to execute it. So giving up some of that control is good. I think as far as, you know, uh, my personal experience with, uh, you know, writing and then directing my writing is I, I think one of the best bits of advice I can give is kind of twofold. It's one is stop being so damn precious uh, with your words. You got to get over, you know, the particularness uh, uh, of certain words or phrasings and things like that and you have to let room for the actor to breathe uh in the character and if they don't say everything verbatim that's okay is learning to be okay with that unless obviously the line is incredibly important that it's said a certain way because it is integral to what happens next and or foreshadowing stuff like that so i think one of the best things to do is as the director and who's also written it is to somewhat divorce yourself from being the uh the writer when you're directing and you know i i I don't recommend having the same animosity most directors have towards writers i'm just saying because then that that gets into a whole weird space of just you know self-loathing and torture and stuff like that so uh i'm saying though is that is that just put yourself a distance between the you that wrote it and the you that's now directing yeah um it's probably one of the better ways that's extremely important it's it's the same idea of like when you step in, when you put on a different hat at any time, you cannot be the two things at the same time. It's exactly, it's really hard to be the writer and the director at the same time or the director and the editor at the same time. You just can't do that. You have to be in the role you're in and right. focus on that role. And which is why it's hard seven. to do like directing and acting. Yeah. Like, people who, I don't know how you do that. <laughs> I, you know what? I do it and I, I still don't, I, I don't think I get the best performance out of me because I don't, I haven't created enough distance between myself, the actor, and myself, the director. So I still feel like I am the worst person to choose to direct myself. Like I should pull in a secondary director uh, for <laughs> to help to help direct me. Which I've read that from time to time. Other people who are in their own shows that I've I've read little bits of like where they're like, oh yeah, and blah blah blah. Like was there and they helped me out and da da da. And I was like, oh, that's a good idea. But again, you'd have to give up some control. So yeah, you know, that's yeah. also a big deal. <laughs> which i think it's definitely like going back to traits of directors i it might sound like a bad trait but it's kind of a good trait for a director to be a bit of a control freak oh yeah like <laughs> you have to oh because like it's tied into being, vision it's tight yes yeah, yeah. you have to like being in control of the situation be completely comfortable being in control of the situation and that took me a long time i'm still slightly awkward or when it's like, oh, this is my time to do this. But then it's like, oh, no, but I'm in it. And now I know I have to, everybody's looking to me to know how this is going to go. And I have to be okay with telling them exactly how I want it to go. So control freak is completely fine. Especially when I don't love it, but love it when an actor brings up, you know, something that you missed or didn't see or asks you a question and you're not quite prepared for it. There's that there moment of like, oh, hold on. Uh, shit. Um... Uh, yeah, so this is what we're going to do. Uh, and then like having to like try to sell that new take right. is always like that moment of like, did you guys buy in it? 
you, we're gonna we're gonna do that, right? Okay, right, good, right. good, good. Okay, you got bought. You you bought. It. Good, good. Yeah. <laughs> Just BS that until you got it right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I've exactly. done that so many times. No, I have not. I've not done that so many times. I've only done that one, two times, maybe. <laughs> it also gets. It seems interesting when I. I mean, we've done four seasons of Boom. So I've right. been with these actors for a couple of years now, and it's like going back to remembering season one and then recording season four was a completely different experience. Right. Like they know their characters now. We've got a rhythm going. We know how we're going to go in. They understand how I write. They, right. you know, so I know how they react in situations and what I need to do to push them. And that's definitely one of the questions here was um, how much pre-prep do you do with individual actors or do you approach each character the same way oh no well that last part no uh (laughs) (laughs) me neither no when it comes to directing i'm not sold on any one given way i feel that you need to direct for the circumstances that you're in so for my particular situation we have uh, almost all remote acting yeah so we have we have people that are out of state and um so anybody who who's outside of the city, I would do a Skype call for about an hour. Well, actually not an hour. Mostly it would last about two hours, um, give or take, and go over the character with them, do read-throughs, give notes, stuff like that. So as far as preparing the actors around their characters, uh, there, there was a lot of collaboration going on. There was a lot of discussion about you know what they thought the character was about and where they were coming from in any given scene to what my takes were and then trying to blend the two together the best I could because for this show that's what interested me the most now that's not always going to be the case necessarily is that is that liberal blending maybe it's more you know 70 30 in most situations where you know you got to let the actor bring stuff to the character but you know giving somebody a a, a distinct vision and a, and a barrier almost like um you know, like what are the, the rails that people have up for the kids when they bowl? Oh yeah, <laughs> so you put up the rails and you go, okay, you've got from that rail to that rail to do whatever you need, but you can't go in the gutter. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not gonna let you. <laughs> so I think, I think that's kind of my personal approach on that. I don't know if this is the same within the same question about there was a, I thought there was a question about like how do you. How do you how do you deal with some of the uh, individual actors? Uh, but I, I guess I'm, I'm misremembering. But yeah, that's yeah. kind of anyway. I'll get back to on, on track. No, no. I think I think that how do you, how much do you prepare or how much preparation do you do for individual actors? The uh, the more seasoned the actor is, the less the less I'm doing on the sort of preliminary aspects Mm -hmm. and i'll usually maybe just kind of touch on those but then get skip right into some of the more meaty conversations about intention and stuff like that you know i try to i try to use and be consistent about certain wordings i use color a lot i'll say like oh i you see the color in that line there's all this color there so you know that from here to here is this one color and from this to this is another color so there's variance there is uh there's ebbs and flows in, in this it's an entire sentence. You've gone through a journey. So I try to I try to use certain verbiage uh, consistently. But the way that I approach it is not necessarily maybe always the way that I will approach it is is what I was getting at earlier is that I think each situation sort of calls for its own type of thing. So if we were all sitting around and we were doing a staged play, there would be a different 
intro to this and a, and a different cadence and a different way of sort of working this out. And actually, that's something that actually fascinates me that I would love to try to experiment with at some point is to rehearse an audio drama as a staged play, work it for like a couple of months, but like do it like very intensely. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and then just completely like anything, any work you did, any blocking, every, everything just kind of like that stuff, you, 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 you get rid of that and you try to maintain and, and retain the, um, the, all the other bits of work that you worked on, the emotional stuff, all the acting bits without the blocking and then record. And obviously you can do the blocking if that's your thing, but I, I, I've been really kind of curious about the way of, because you see sometimes some choices that are made in film and you know that these people worked this script so hard. Um, I was watching uh, Cassavetti's film the other night and I was just marveling at the naturalistic sort of style that everyone had. And you reach that naturalistic style through through trust, which is a huge um, thing that actors need between each other and the director. And that is not something you can necessarily fully manufacture, uh, though you could try. So trust is needed and, you know, discovery is, is also needed. So working that script and finding all the nuances and, and those moments. So you can work a script for like a month. And then in, finally, in a month and a week, you go, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, my God. It's there. It's been there the whole time. And then that's that's that moment. And I feel like we don't ever really fully get that moment because of the, the time. We, none, none of us really have that kind of time mm-hmm. to commit. We sort of do. It's just managing it, really. Yeah. It's conceptualizing yeah. How, how to use it. but. I, I'm just really fascinated with that concept of, of applying the rehearsal process that you go through and the trust and the camaraderie that you get out of a rehearsal process of theater and translating that into audio. I think that could be um, something. I think, I think the result, the end results could be something very, very uh, distinctly powerful, actually. Cool. I'm really huge on character development. It is my, biggest thing whenever I write, whenever I teach people about writing, I always say start with the character because everything that we enjoy and appreciate and keep going back to is because we were connected to a character, not necessarily their story. It's more about what did that character do, not what happened to that character. So I'm I'm really strong on the character. So when we do a project, I write biographies for every character. All the way down mm. to like the smallest character. And if you're the lead character, your biography gets longer. So my biographies for my leads in the show were probably two pages. Wow. So I do like a whole backstory because I know the whole story of this person and I need the actors to know the whole story of this person so that they know how to approach every scene. And I, I gave them all of their biographies before they had scripts in hand. So I wanted them to know the character before they even read any words on the page. So I do, mm-hmm. as far as every actor, they all get that. So I guess that is one thing that I do across the board where I'm like, this is what you need to know about this character. This is their backstory. Mm-hmm. But That's then- actually really powerful, actually. that's Because then you, as the director, you could say like, oh, but that's in your bio. So pull from that yeah, for yeah. the scene. like you know, and I think that's actually a really powerful way to do it. It really helps with the consistency of um, emotional reactions within scenes too, because I always get to remind them. I said, you know, for example, Porter, the main character in Boom has a very short temper. He has anxiety issues before any of the bad things happen to him. He already has those things in place. So it's this idea of like, 
you know he's anxious, you know that he has a short temper, and then all of this crap happens to him. So now he's suffering from PTSD on top of his already serious anxiety issues. So his reactions to situations have to be completely different than someone who doesn't have all of these emotional baggage to begin with. So when we were going Mm -hmm. into scenes, it was like, just remember all of those things. And then we would discuss reactions to scenes. And Garrett is not, you know, a seasoned actor. He likes to act is what he says all the time. Mm -hmm. He's like, he's like, I'm an editor who likes to act. So working with him was a lot more involved and trying to um, pull things from his real life was a whole lot of that was a whole lot of how would you feel in this situation? Um, Think about the worst thing that's happened to you as a kid, you know, like pulling from that. Mm -hmm. But then some of my more seasoned actors, I could just give them the emotion. Like, this is where you are, where you're going at the beginning of this scene. This is how she Mm -hmm. feels about the characters. And I would always make sure to say, this is how your character feels about this character. Mm -hmm. Um, I did that a lot over, you know, and it's like when I'm not feeling that they're getting that that beat exactly. I'm like, this is how you feel about this character. And this is your goal for this scene. So sometimes I would break it down line by line, if I wasn't feeling the line, but usually we would do it by scenes. And I would give goals to each actor, like this is your goal Mm -hmm. of this scene. This is your goal of this scene. And usually the goals are in conflict. So (laughs) you're working to get to this. And this person is working to get to this. Let's see how the scene plays out. And I always try, I want to, I think a great way to build trust is to let your actors breathe a little. Like you said, you know, stay within the mm-hmm. confines of this. <laughs> Don't go into the gutter, but let's see what you can do with it. And then yeah. write it in later. Like, I feel like if I give too much direction up front, they're too much in their heads and I don't get the performance I want. So if I just give them an emotional stepping block and then let them go through the scene and then we can come back and work it. And I have yeah. noticed that some of my actors get a little annoyed because if I really like the scene, I don't need to do it again. I'm like, that was right. amazing. Let's move on. Yeah. And they're like, what? Yeah. No, no, I want to. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I'll let them do it. This, then this I'm is like, for no, you. I this one's it. for you, but I already got what I needed. <laughs> I got what I needed. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, it's so funny. It's something from watching. Have you ever seen Ed Wood? Yes. Uh, with like, okay, like his like one take thing. He's like, perfect. And like, that's it. And you're like, wait, what? We did, we're not doing another shot? Nope. We're good. You know, you're like, whoa, am I Ed Wooding in this up? Am I, should I be taking more yes. takes on this? And I have done that Absolutely. where I'm like, because, you know, I said that when you're a director, you should be a director and not an editor. And sometimes editor me yells at director me for not <laughs> doing it again. I'm like, why didn't you do Getting that Getting coverage, again? yeah. Why didn't you do that Absolutely. Again? And I, and it's weird because I, I mean, like I said, I'm a filmmaker who came from actual film. Like mm-hmm. I shot on 16 millimeter film. So I knew that mm-hmm. I had to get more than one take. I always did the safety take, but it's weird that if I liked your performance, if I really liked it, I don't want to emotionally drain you to do it again. Right. If I got it, because I want your emotions to still work from scene to scene to scene. And boom is definitely an emotionally draining show. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was pushing the emotions a lot and a lot of my actors were very exhausted by the end of the day and it's just this idea of like I just don't want to push you so much that we can't Yeah, get actually this. you um you have a a great story. I don't know how oh. often you've told that story though about, I, I have not uh, told that story and I don't even know if I should tell it when it's going out into okay. public spaces, mind. but I will be very general about it and will say that we had a very emotional scene in the first season of the show. 
And one of my actors had some trouble getting into the scene. And so it was just, I want to equate it. I'm sorry, I keep making film references, but this is how I live no, and this is how I work. Yeah, so. you got to, absolutely. That's, you know what though? Let me just say something too, is that your your reference point for that is probably really good because a lot of people, uh, that that could be their starting point as a director and they're looking for that guidance. So showing them the 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 synopsis connection of like, you know, between this thought and that thought and how to connect the two is perfect, I think. Okay. So well that's good. Yeah, thank you. Um so I know in in film, if we're doing if you're doing an emotional scene or if you're doing something that could easily make an actor uncomfortable, a nude scene, um a scene where they have to get very emotional, anything like that, you tend to clear the set. Because you want that person to be as comfortable as possible. So it's only the people who need to be there or the people who are there. So for this scene, we decided to do that. We were in a small studio and we had been working with everybody inside the studio and everybody on mic. And it was time to just be like, nope, nobody's going to be in this space. Even I left. I didn't want to leave, but he asked me to leave. So I left too. I mean, he he Mm -hmm. understood that we were still on headphones. We could still hear him, Uh but he didn't have to see us in the space when he was doing it. And so after the fact, it was, I just want one person and I want this one thing. So it was like... Mm-hmm. Get him the candy, get him the drink, get him the person, and everything was okay after the fact. But I got probably the realest performance I've ever gotten out of him for that moment, and it's still one of my favorite mm-hmm. episodes. And sometimes you just have to let an actor push themselves. Even if you don't feel comfortable with it, you have to just make sure, and you check over and over and over again to make sure they are comfortable with taking their emotions that far. Yeah, you uh, you you destroyed me with that story. Like When I heard it, I was like, I was like, I want that, that. I don't know. I just, I was like that. That's such a perfect story. That is such a perfect story. It really is. <laughs> I'll give you a kudos to you, man. You just, you did a great job. You did such a great job with uh, facilitating that. And I was just really super impressed. I've actually within the community, like amongst ourselves, I mean, cause technically, honestly, you were recorded when you said that. So, oh, that is you know, very it's true. Out there. It is out there. Uh, but, but I understand <laughs> to, to for this purpose, we'll, we'll keep we'll keep we'll keep it anonymous. But I have retold the story to other directors within our community or people that that nothing on record, mind you, uh, just for you, just so you know. Um, but you know, like privately, I've told that story just because I was like, it's it genuinely impressed me. So I think that was a I think it's just an amazing story uh, about how to go about. And I think it's perfect for this question, how to facilitate for your actor and to obtain what you need, but to do it ethically. And I think that's probably one of the most important things I feel like some some directors lose sight of. I've I've been on the opposite end of that, not as a director, but as an actor, uh, being a brand new actor and then having a brand new director playing sort of God uh, in a way and, and being very careless with the actors and, and and playing around with method acting and playing around with improv and and just dark subject matters, things like that, and not having the proper safety nets in place and not having the proper ways out. And that kind of abuse is could be so easily ab- obtained. I mean, granted, your soul is 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 gone if you're doing that. But, right, exactly. <laughs> um, but it, it could be done and you could do it. It's an it's a shortcut in a way. Yeah. And so the way that, that you went about it, I feel is such a perfect encapsulating story about what you can do as a director to facilitate your needs 
but to make sure that nobody is getting harmed in the process and to take that time is, is special. So you deserve uh, some, some credit and some kudos and some love for that. Thank so. you. I have another story that's kind of the opposite of it um, okay. where I didn't want to push an actor to a point, but she decided that she wanted to be mm-hmm. pushed to that point. Um, we did, gosh, I think it was season three. There's two of the characters in an abusive relationship that wasn't abusive to begin with and became abusive. And um, Courtney Holly, who plays um, Allison, is on the receiving side of this relationship. And I was like, this is, we need to talk about this. We need to figure out how we approach this scene because I don't want it to be exploitive. I don't want it to, I don't want to play around with it. I don't want to make light of it, but we have to figure out a way to do the scene and make it work. And she decided she wanted to do some method acting and she's supposed to get strangled in the scene. And she decided that we were going to do that. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to do that. I was like, I don't feel comfortable, you know, having you strangled in a scene for us to do this. And she's like, I don't think I Mm -hmm. can get it any other way. So it was a long discussion about, should we do this? Should we not do this? And she basically convinced me that she was comfortable with it and that she was okay doing it. And then we had, you know, who's going to do it? Who are you safe with? Who are you comfortable with doing it? And so we we ended up asking our script supervisor to come out and do it because she's like, well, maybe someone who's not as intimidating and large as the as Brian, who plays the part of Luke, <laughs> <laughs> could do the thing. Yeah. So we just asked our script supervisor to do it. And then we got this great performance from her. And it has to go both ways. Like you, you're building this trust with your actors so that you can ask them to do things that might not be comfortable for them but they're also going to ask you if they can do things that might not be comfortable for you and you never want to step over the line like you said you're not going to lose your soul it's a project it's a creative project calm Mm -hmm. down we're not saving the world (laughs) granted no creativity is very important but it's still like yeah yeah i think when you when you're careless like like how maybe i had experienced uh it was a long time ago it was back in college but i had been a part of that and so I, I think it's more self-serving. I think the the director at that point is is just really thinking about how people are going to perceive them and and are willing to do what and you know anything they can to get what they need. Yeah. And honestly, you don't need whatever it is that they're trying to. They don't need whatever it is they're trying to get that badly to to cause harm. Right. And I think that's and I and I and kudos to you again to trust your actor in that way. I mean. I would probably be tempted as well to, especially if I if if I knew the actor well enough, and especially if it's like you know more than a, a season in, and you know we've all got a working relationship. Yeah, you know, I might be like, all right, you, you 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 if this is what you need, then we need to we need to really discuss like, you know, how hard are you going to be strangled? Right, like, exactly. Like, <laughs> what level are we like? Do you want to strangle yourself? Do you want right, to- exactly. Like, should we? <laughs> Exactly. Like, you know, like there would be, there, I would certainly be cautious as well. I would certainly be like, but I would be intrigued. Honestly, I'd be like, all right, we're getting into some, like, into some, into some really intense territory. Let's see where this goes. But there would definitely be this trepidatiousness of just like, all right, well, I don't, you know, I know your game. I know your game right now, but are you going to be game when it's over? Exactly. And, and that's really kind of the other thing too. So, but yeah, yeah. I was just looking. I, I I keep looking ahead. I'm sorry. I oh no, no, some, that's fine. Some of the stuff that we. <laughs> it's like, have we have um, we answered some of these questions already in our discussion? Uh, yeah, actually, that's what I was looking for, and I was like, oh, building confidence in less confident actors, which I think you had touched on a little bit. With uh, you said you had an actor, an editor, 
who uh, saw them, you know, like to act, but you know, maybe needs yeah. a little more guidance. But are, are they are they somebody who maybe needs a little more confidence, or they have that confidence? They're just like, tell me what to do. Yeah, it's more of a tell me, there. tell me what to do, and I want to get there. But Got I it. do have, I mean, in my cast, I guess because we have a lot of people, you have you you don't have two people in your cast either. So it's like you know, you have a, you have enough levels of. I have Skill. 40 people in my cast. <laughs> <laughs> I have 40 individuals. Yes. Yeah. So larger than mine, I have 25. Uh, but <laughs> Larger than most. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you have different levels of skill, so you have to decide how to approach that. I have people in my cast who are not as good as other people in my cast. And sure. I am aware of their level of skill and tend to direct and write to that level of skill. Mm, okay. I, I do know, because the first season of the show, I wrote without having anybody cast it. But then after that, I knew who was playing these parts. So it's a matter of, do I believe that that actor could hit this emotional note genuinely? And if I, and if in my head, if the answer is no, I will write it differently. Mm-hmm. And I have done that where I'm like, okay, I have to give this scene to someone else or I have to change how this scene goes because I still want the strongest performance I can get from that person. And it might not necessarily be as strong as this person over here. Yeah, no, that makes sense, actually. Yeah, I think for me, I have I have very varying degrees of of people that 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 were in the cast as well. I think I think you know talent isn't necessarily absolute, but I feel like everyone has the ability to act. It's just a matter of drawing it out of them. Yeah, I mean, I had people that this was their first experience, and so taking them through even just some of the logistics because I base a lot of my casting off of a lot of it's either off of talent and or what I feel is a talent to mine. So maybe there's something wrong there that I'm hearing that I'm like, I think you have something very special here, but we're going to need to work to get it out. And for me, that's worth it. And not maybe for like bigger productions that have, you know, uh, deadlines and things like that. Maybe they they don't want to take that kind of time to risk on somebody that may or may not give them the performance that they want. So for me, it that is part of the, the aspect of, of the process is, is to have that type of collaboration and or growth with the actor. But I've had the actors that I changed it up towards the end of the season where we had done all of our recording up front. So like within a month, all of the recording for season one was done. Um, it was just a matter of editing from there. But as we went along, I did some minor rewrites towards the end of the season and I needed to do some pickups. So I thought, hey, Let's try something different. Let's get everyone in on a call and we'll all act against each other for once. And I would like to officially say is that I didn't really see too much of a difference in performance. <laughs> so, really? Okay. So for, I mean, on a, on a call? No. I mean, it, you know, I think maybe, I mean, I feel like this may sound a little controversial is that I feel like the, the consistency in what we want in the actors comes from the directors, comes from us. And I don't know necessarily 100% that it's that much better with them live. Whether or not it's different, I, I can agree on. I can agree that there's something, you know, tangibly different when actors are in the same room. Um, whether or not you get a better performance, I just genuinely can't definitively say, yeah, yeah, you do. I always get them in the same room. I think it really just also depends on what your end goal is. For me, I needed a certain aesthetic and I needed a certain performance. 
if you're going for something so much more organic and naturalistic and stuff like that, I can honestly see where we're having them. Everyone in the same room is probably a bit more imperative to have is sort of, uh, you know, if you're doing like a, for the lack of a better term, like a Woody Allen type of sort of interaction in a scene where there's a lot of give and take and some stumblings and stuff like that. Yeah, I could definitely see that because that's harder to craft separately. But I'd put them all in the same room, technically, I guess, uh, on the phone. (laughs) And so, but I lost one of my performers' performance in the process because they became self-conscious. Oh, yeah. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, everyone eventually rose to the occasion and I got some really good stuff out of like one of my actors that um, was basically recording his lines for the first time. And that was also the other thing to do was that. I had added a character at the end of the season and switched him out from the original character he was meant to play, (laughs) which is also in and of itself a a minefield to kind of have to talk to an actor and be like, hey, you know that role I cast you in? That's not your role anymore. But I did make you a new one, you know. (laughs) So you're not fired. Uh, So I had I had him record with me at my house while I pulled everyone else on the phone. So, um, yeah, what are the other people that I had in the scene just completely lost their performance and that was because they became self-conscious and their their performance was built on a sort of larger than life uh much more broader performance so they had to and my show asks you to the actor to to take bigger risks and to go broader oh for sure crazier and bonkers and so they just they just clamped up so then after, after trying to do the scene a few times at the end i said okay everybody great job I was like, can you stay on the call to the to the actor? And so I stayed on the line with them and I was like, hey, could you just on your own, just separately, just take a second and just re-record your stuff? I just want to get one more take with you on your own. And that was kind of the, the an important take because I just needed them to kind of like come out of their shell. And that's the adjustment that I was trying to actually took a really long time to get to. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 you know, making that adjustment and just being able to say like, you know, okay, Taylor making it for this actor and, and for maybe the limitation of just being of, of trust. Trust is so huge. Oh my gosh. It is, it is to actors and directors. paramount yeah. to making good yeah. work. Yeah. You need, you need trust. And, and that's uh, for actors. One of the things that I tend to hammer home is trust and risk. You need to be risking. You need to be, you need to trust, you need to risk. If you're not doing those things, you're not, if you're not even just slightly nervous about what you're about to do, then you probably need to think about what you're doing and do it again, because you need to be just slightly nervous about like, did, did I sell this? Is this, do you like it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and that's something I learned as being an actor and being on stage. I have had, I had one of those acting coaches or, or, I, I call her less of a director. She was an act, more of an acting coach, but she was like one of those hard asses that just you you busted your your butt to please because she never liked anything. <laughs> <laughs> so so like just to get her to go like all right that was good that was like oh my god you know so there was that was something she hammered home a lot that was these this this concept of risk and I feel like I became a, a, a bit of a of a believer in that that risk is is required to getting uh, what you need. Yeah. I, so when we had the discussion at podcast movement, I had just done boom and we do stuff in studio. I have, I have two remote actors, but other than that, everybody's in studio, but now I've done margaritas and donuts where I did the full opposite and everyone was remote Mm -hmm. and I didn't know how to do it. I (laughs) I have no idea how to do this. 
I, I approached it the same way. I wrote character biographies for everybody, sent them the scripts, had all these plans to be like, let's be on a call and let's do it that way. But I also wanted to give the actors the option to be on a call and do it that way. And none of them took that option to be on a call. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so we're just going to do this. Now, it was nice because I didn't have to worry about schedules. Everybody could do the thing when they needed to do the thing. But I found that we were doing a whole lot more pickups. And it wasn't right. really always because I didn't like their performance because their performance alone was great, but I wasn't getting matching energy levels mm. within yeah. a scene. And I think more often than not, it was that. It was your energy level didn't match the other person's energy level, so I need you to re-record so we can have it at this. And I think that's one of my biggest things. And I was what you said about being on a call. I was interested in the fact that you just said you didn't get, you know, much better performances, but I'm curious if other people heard the person they're supposed to be in a scene with. But again, what's the frequency okay. is very different from what yeah. I'm doing. Well, <laughs> I have a thought on this, though. We we recorded stuff towards the end of the season, so people at that point knew their characters better. They they knew the show better. So I think if we had done it from, from jump one, I think, uh, or if I did it really early on, I'd say I recorded like you did, and then I go, oh, you know what? I'm not getting a matchup right. Uh, let's get everybody on a call. I think, yeah, I think I would have seen maybe a bit of a difference because people could finally hear each other. The way that I combated that before even needing to go that far was I tried to be very, uh, two, two things, is that I tried to be very distinct with the actors as to what their motivations are, where they're at. I wanted to hear their read and then adjust the read uh, on over a call based on what I was hearing. And so this way, if I got, so say a good example is, well, you know, Walter and Whitney. Walter and Whitney have never shared a, a call together, oh. but they're basically the entire show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so to get them on the same page, and I'm granted, I'll admit, they were not always, always 100% on the same page the way I would like to hear them. But the, the the way that I got them as close as I feel like I did was being, again, with the directing aspect of having a clear decision and, and, and vision as to what you want and communicating it with the actor is paramount and in the key. And one of the other ways that I did it to combat these issues was, and this exact thing won't work for everybody, but I feel like there is still something in there that'll work, is that I had them give me what uh, three takes, three full takes. Um, so I, I didn't want them to necessarily always one long take and then just you know go through it three times. Give me three different separate files of just saying this is the first take, second take, third take, which is a lot of work on the editing aspect. But what I asked for in the first take was I asked for uh, give me a broad performance. Give me a performance like like you're on stage, you're doing a comedic musical or just a musical, and you need to perform to the back of the house. Right, and then the second take. I want black box theater intimacy realism. Give me that. And the third take, literally, give me anything like bonkers. Just do just go wild. Like you can use it for improv, use it for interpretive stuff. You can do like experimental stuff, like whatever you want to do with your lines in that third take. Just go do it. Now that's very specific for my show. Uh <laughs> Actually, that's pretty close to what I do with remote actors. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I'll ask. For that's great give me this emotion, give me that emotion. Like, especially when we were playing with the dream sequences and boom, like a uh -huh. lot of charity stuff for Genevieve was, I want you to play it flirtatious or I want you to play it scary. Or so we would just do all three. We'd just be like, mm -hmm. do it this way, do it this way. And then try it this way. Oh yeah. It is yeah. hell so on the editing side, but it is fun. 
Right, because you could you could piece together two separate performances and then create what I was talking about earlier with that coloring of that sort of variance within the performance. Because sometimes actors get very singular and very focused in on the same through line and or, you know, like intention. So when you talk about intention, what do you want in the scene, stuff like that. So on, a lot of times because they're so focused and because we just have so little time is that it's hard to create the proper variance in like because we don't always want the same thing even though we want the same thing overall in the scene or in the end goal we get distracted as people and so even within the line sometimes you know I try to point out like oh you crossed the room in the middle of what you were saying and took a pause and crossed the room and then did this and then continued I was like think about that for a second what do you what do you where's your head at to do that then so I try to craft the performance also around like conceptually like why did you just? Why did your character just do that though? You, you, you're not thinking about the same thing anymore. You're thinking about something else. And granted, that thing may really just be a mask for for what you're trying to avoid. But that's important. You were trying to avoid something, so let's think about that. So we try to do things like that. But I felt like pasting the two performances together from the broad and the and the naturalistic helped create that variance that I would want sometimes that maybe I didn't have because of that sort of singular trail so i don't know how much cross-pollinating you've done to maybe get maybe closer to what you want um have you have you tried that at all i've done yeah i've done um a bit you mean um with performance or with remote versus studio well doing the two takes and then taking from oh, oh both all takes of the time and then mix yeah just mixing them together a yes. little bit so what i'll do is i'll take like the broad take and the naturalistic take but i'll take Sometimes, especially if there's a bit of a pause, and even in the same sentence, like for that for that line, I might take the first part is going to be from the crazy take or like their broader take, and then the last part I'll take from their from their more naturalistic take, and then I put them together, and then I have this sort of much more textured mm-hmm. performance, definitely, which is kind of really where we're getting at here, people. With like you as a director, you deserve all the credit for the performance. <laughs> <laughs> Those actors are simply Honestly, just saying the words, and we are trying to yes. get. Yes, we yes, yes. Are without the one us, molding the clay <laughs> and making. We are the gods, <laughs> which we, which we kind of are. It's really where all the power is. Honestly, I mean, you we could really f up somebody's performance, or we can really make the performance so much more beautiful and textured sometimes. And I would just like to take that credit for a moment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have a I have a short interesting thing okay actually this is Uh two these are both family related and i'm going to talk about my family i my daughters are in margaritas and donuts because the characters in margaritas and donuts are loosely based on me and my best friend so of course the character that is me has twin daughters so i was like hey my twin daughters are in his so they were super excited to be in front of the microphone and i was a little worried about directing my children because they don't listen to me in real life so i don't see how they listen (laughs) to me in front of a microphone (laughs) and so i i had to i kind of reverse engineered it and said you are playing yourselves so just talk like you were talking to daddy or like you were talking to mommy and see how that goes. And it was the weirdest, not my children sounding thing because I think they were trying to act. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I thought it was going to work because I was like, oh, I'm going to get this natural performance from my kids because I'm just going to tell them the situation like I do with an actor and I'll, it'll happen. No, not at all. It became, this is how you feel right now. Say it like this because this is how you feel. And that was the only way <laughs> that I can mold the performance out of my kids, which was interesting because I've never had to be 
that extremely direct with actors normally where I have to say, Mm -hmm. this is how this sounds. This is how it should come out of your mouth. When I went to film school, it was like, never say a line to an actor how you want the line to say. And that has like lived in my head Mm -hmm. to never tell an actor exactly how to say a line. Like, Mm -hmm. even if I've come like straight up to it to be like, this is how I want it to sound. And oh my gosh, I want to do it. I will try my hardest to figure out how to tell them to say the line without me saying the line. So that's going to be my... My tip to new directors, do not say lines to actors the way you want. It is like one of the most demeaning things and a great way to lose trust with an actor where you're like, no, this is how you say it. Like, oh, right. Please don't do that. Yeah. And there's a million ways to also like to that shade of reading somebody their own line. There's ways around it that that you think that you're doing to not do it, but you're still kind of doing it. That's counts. Yeah. uh, By the way. So uh, (laughs) like, don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I mean, look, and if you do do it, it's natural. Forgive yourself, address it, try your best not to do it again. It'll happen again, probably. Just be aware it when it happens and apologize and move on yes, <laughs> just exactly. as quickly as you can. I mean, I've done it. I've done it. I've absolutely done it. I've, and, and I and in the moment I go, you just gave them a line reading. I'm like, no, I didn't. I just showed them like one of the ways. And, then, and it's and like, like nope, mm, but you, you gave them a line, gave reading. A line reading. reading. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You, you need to address that at some point. Yeah. I'm like, okay. So sometimes you do have to like handhold, but try not to do the line read. Like do not do the line read. And if you do it, yes, yeah. be aware of it. Then the other family member was my mom, who I asked to be in it because she has a nurse. And I was like, oh, it's a nurse's part. She'll do great. And mm-hmm. anytime that my mom was just talking to me and the microphone was in front of her, she sounded wonderful. But as soon as she started reading the lines, it was some weird... I don't know what voice she was doing. I was like, can you not do that? Can you stop doing that? And she's like, I'm not doing anything. And I said, are you serious? And I I played it back for her. I was like, that's not you. I don't know what that is. So tip number two to a director, if you really, really, really aren't getting the performance you want and you have tried everything, it is time to step away. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you have to tell an actor that they aren't the person for the role and you need someone Mm -hmm. else. They will be mad at you. but you want the best project and they are not serving the best project to you. So you have to step yeah. away and move on. I've had to do it three times now. And the last time wow. I was really surprised because it was a small part in margaritas and donuts, but it was an essential part. And this guy had a great audition. It was like this great audition. And then he sent me the read for the role. And I was like, what the hell happened? Like, I still don't know <laughs> what happened. I was like, I've decided that you did not read that audition and that was someone who sounded like you. I just, (laughs) I was so amazed and I asked him to read it again. I got six readings out of this guy and never, never got the reading I wanted. And of course I'm not saying names, but he totally would hear this and know I'm talking about him, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? Look, there's got to be growth there and I think you're, you're still being kind, right? Right. I'm not saying, wow, you were terrible. I'm just like, it just didn't work for the scene. Right. You didn't hit the the beats I needed. Thank you so Mm -hmm. much. And keep working at your acting is what I said. And then we moved on. Yeah. You know, also too, like sometimes it's just a matter of the way that it's like with any relationship. It's, it's a matter of like, do these two people communicate well? You know, the person can be incredibly talented. It's whether or not even just maybe sometimes you as the director, it's like, maybe you're just 
You need somebody who gets you and you might be limited in yourself and that's okay. But because you are the director, (laughs) you need, you need to be able to craft the show around what it is that, that you're capable of delivering on. So you need your team. It's, it's like, it's what you do, like in any scenario where you have anybody in charge, if you have even just in a retail environment, a manager, manager needs the, the team that's best around them, not, you know, necessarily, you know, you can get the best employee there, but they may not mesh well and you may not get the best end result. So you have, you could have a great actor and that actor could have been a a really good actor, but there's just something that was being missed between what they were doing on their own and what was being communicated to them. They maybe weren't understanding, you know what I mean? There's a million things that could be going on, but kudos to you to have for having the, um, the fortitude of doing something. I think a lot of people would definitely just avoid doing unless something bigger came up like with like an issue of like you know something inappropriate but you know i've never i've never had to let any i don't know have i had to let anybody go from my cast yet i have gotten close of like feeling like i needed to approach it at some point where i've sent a few emails and i've been like hey i need this hey i need this hey i need this hey i need this and then finally being like all right if i'm going to give you a week if we don't get it in a week then we should probably have a conversation mm-hmm. and that's where that's like where my manager's cat went on because i had a lot of retail manager experience and <laughs> that's basically code for we're gonna go through some sort of disciplinary action and or in this case because it's not like a real employee situation it's more like we're gonna probably just let you go because i mean you you clearly whatever's going on this isn't working mm-hmm. you don't have time or something like that so and and that's something that's a, a scary thought but at the same time it's like this is your show. You've you've got to right. you've got to protect the show. It's your baby. It is exactly. your baby. And, and you need it to be taken somebody's care threatening of. your baby. Right. Yeah. Somebody's threatening your baby and you need you need to choose. And it's like, I could hurt this person's feeling or my baby could suffer. I'm gonna hurt your feelings. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know? And that's exactly yeah. And actors, if they are professional or even if they're just good people, should understand. I mean, again, they're going to be sad, they're going to be hurt, they might, you right. know, wish ill things of you but they'll get over it and it'll be fine right. and and most actors they we really just want what's best and mm-hmm. we want to please and we want to deliver if we're hearing we're not delivering i mean how you react to that is up to you after that but i mean you know a lot of actors we will just be like i don't know what to give but i understand you want something and and i'm just not hitting it i guess yeah i yeah. guess you're right or this person might be like i'm literally giving you what you want and you're just crazy uh you know yeah, like exactly. or whatever yeah. it is Whatever their thought process is, at the end of the day, I think as a director, you just need to be comfortable with you just need to be comfortable with the decisions you have to make and know that those decisions really do lie on on you, which again kind of goes back to what I was saying before about like assessing if you have the skill set to do what's necessary if you don't feel like there's aspects of this that you don't have the ability to do either find somebody to share those responsibilities with that is okay with that so either you get a co-director or in my case I wouldn't necessarily use them for this but a producer you know at the very least I would have to clue in my producer now at this point as to who's coming and going and stuff like that but theoretically I could say hey producer I need you to let this person know they're they're they have to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and in, in that case, I mean, if again, if, if somebody's starting out as a new director and, and wants to get into it, you know, being able to assess your limitations is, is, is a good thing. Yes. And also, even if you have a very specific vision of what you want your project to be, go for that. Absolutely. 100% go for that. But also understand that you are working with people who know what they're doing as well and give mm-hmm. them a little room to play because they might give you something that you didn't know you needed until they gave it to you. 
Right. So like we were talking about with the three takes, get the take you want and Mm -hmm. let them do a take they want. And maybe you'll end up Mm -hmm. blending the two and getting this perfect thing that you didn't know you needed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, a a good example for me was having Tanya Maloyevich on my show, um, which she's literally in every audio drama now. I've had people joke about me being in every audio drama. No, no, no. No, no. she is. No, no, no. (laughs) No, no. No, Tanya is literally everywhere. You cannot you cannot pick up a, a, an audio drama. I mean, she is in she's in the smallest of audio dramas that nobody's ever heard of. I'm pretty sure she may have coughed she's in, in the background of mine. No, I'm just kidding. No, she probably did. You didn't know it, did you? <laughs> she astral projected into the room. It's a requirement. No, she she's just she's just an amazing actor, and she's a gifted character actor as well. And so um, she can she can disappear in in so many other shows that people just don't even realize they've heard her. So she plays Whitney on my show, who's a lead. And literally I I could give her like, she has like two page scene in in an episode and she'll give me back like a 45 minute take. Uh, And so uh, it was a lot of like improv coming from her and I would have to like recraft a scene or, and or uh, moments and to work in maybe some of the, the beauty of what, she gave me and that's also kind of its own little interesting aspect of giving the actors room to feel comfortable so even if i would say give give your actors that kind of room even if you don't need it for yourself and for your show they may need it as an actor and that will thus get you the performance that you you probably want because that'll get them comfortable it'll get them to trust you and uh i feel like a lot of times on something that i've noticed with certain situations and, and directors is that this is audio and there's so much room you have to cut, edit, and move things around that if, if you've basically got the take you need and or want outside of a loud like snap happening in the middle of somebody's words or something that is grossly horrible happening that really just messes up a take, you basically have what you need. And, and just, you know, like, again, don't not necessarily be so overly precious with like a take of something where you're just like, oh, you know, I liked what you did in the previous take, but this take wasn't that good. So let's do it again. It's like, okay, well, you know, or like, oh, I didn't like that pause. Right. And it's you like, you can fix that. Uh, yeah. What, what do you, why are we talking about the pause, dude? Let's just like, like in post, cut out the pause. Yeah. <laughs> I have like, stolen you know, like, lines from other episodes. If I was like, oh, I didn't get that reaction. I need a reaction here. I am more than positive that that person has said the thing I need them to say in like episode one of the 40 episodes we've done. So I'll find it. I've done that too. 100%. Yeah. No, that's a beautiful thing to have is a catalog of your actors acting and even just the, the raw stuff too, because sometimes you'll get like, you know, a laugh, an honest laugh mm-hmm. in the middle of a, of a take or something like that, or af- in between takes, and you could just grab it. Yeah. <laughs> just grab it, and now it's part of the show. <laughs> yeah, my um, sound record is always starts recording before I say to start recording. I have a yeah. lot of, like, conversation that happens before we start a scene, and a lot of that makes it in, especially, like, the laughs and all that, because people laugh right. differently when they are acting laughing than when they are, you know, just laughing about a joke that somebody told off camera or that's how I laugh. Yeah. Ha, 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 ha. I also yeah. know I have. No, you're right. Voice. And a lot of blackmail material too. Oh, completely. A lot of blackmail like material. way too yeah. much. Like way too much. Yeah. 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 But that's good. It's good. It's what you need as a director. That's the other thing you guys need directing is blackmail material. So the more leverage you have over your actors, the better your show's going to be. I think my favorite thing (laughs) is with remote actors, either because they're in front of a mic and they're by themselves, I get a lot of talking 
to themselves and then I will talk yeah. back and I'm like, no, they can't hear me. But it's really funny yeah. because it's just like you're having this whole conversation. Like they'll drop out of character in the middle of a line because they either messed it up or they're thinking about something else. And it's hilarious. And I think that's sometimes yeah. some of that stuff makes it in the show. So actors know that if it's on mic, <laughs> I might use it. I probably have used it. Yeah, no, I've I've had a good time. Actually, uh, one of my favorite things was um, Kristen DiMicurio, uh, who's on my show, actually was very, very helpful. She had a lot of uh, people in my cast that were in New York that maybe had lesser than desired setups or didn't have setups at the time to come to her place and record. Oh, so nice. But she was doing a lot of like directing them uh, that I didn't ask her to do, but doing a beautiful job, mind you, but directing some of them from her, her room outside of her closet. <laughs> so <laughs> I got a lot of like interesting asides and or tangents uh, between her and the other actors that I found quite amusing. And, you know, it was always like a treat to hear at some point somebody go like, oh, yeah, and James is just hearing all this. And uh, hi, James. <laughs> uh, just remembered I was there. It's <laughs> very sweet. Yeah, I've had that. I mean, I've worked in post-production most of my career. I'm, I do video editing. Like, that's my day job, I guess. Or my superhero exactly. alter ego, I've heard people say. Um, but <laughs> And people talk to me on screen there, too. And it's very interesting because I have a client who does send me stuff and he will tell me what he wants on camera. Like, he'll do the shot and he'll be like, okay, Faith, I need you to cut after here and then do this. <laughs> It's like mm -hmm. the weirdest thing to be like, okay, thanks, I guess. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's a very interesting thing. I know this is a tangent and I don't care. We're going to leave it there for part one. Thanks very much to Faith and James. Part two will be coming soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.